Good morning to those who are online. We have technical difficulties, but God is good. It is an illustration. We are talking about the church of Jesus Christ and what makes the church. Is it the sound? Was it what makes the church? And so um, I am just so blessed to be here. It's been six weeks since I've had an opportunity to speak. I've had a refreshing time away from the pulpit to pray, to work on other things, other projects God has put on our hearts here at Inspire, and to get prepared for um, putting my head down and getting through this uh, fall and winter together as a family, as a body of Christ. Uh, it is officially September. We have made it through the summer, and uh, we are moving forward as a church, especially after just a long couple of years, and I am so excited for the meetups. I'm so excited to just reconnect with people. Uh, I'm just so excited just about everything that God is doing. You guys are in trouble because there is no, nothing is working up here, which means I can't even see my time. So we're going to be here all day long. Usually it blinks when I'm going over time. That's not here. So, you know, I'm going to do my best, y'all, but, um, but you're in trouble this morning. But I know God has something for us. Amen? Amen. I think just for a moment while you're sitting there, I want you to listen to how God in his divinely inspired word, listen to how he describes the church. I'm just going to say a couple of phrases. And we just kind of sit and just, even as I'm speaking these phrases out, even just which one resonates, resonates for you? Which one settles for you? And so just take a moment. I want you to listen how the divinely inspired word of God describes the church. God calls his church the bride of Christ. He calls his church the body of Christ. He calls his church the people of God. And he calls his church the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what beautiful words. What profound illustrations God has bestowed upon his people. But what do you do when what God says looks nothing like what you see? What do you do when your experience of church doesn't match the biblical reality of the church? You see, unfortunately, in my 40 years on this earth and in my 40 years in church, I was born in the pews, almost literally. But in my 40 years in the church, I want to say that I feel like I've seen and heard it all. And maybe some of you who've been in the church long enough would agree. Trusted pastors having affairs. Narcissistic leaders manipulating their followers. Abusive shepherds beating their flocks. Hypocritical members gossiping, living in lies, and corrupt institutions that cover all that up. Am I the only one? In my 40 years in the church, the way that I've seen and experienced it hasn't always been the way that God says. 
and these diabolical realities that we face, these diabolical realities lead to entire generations of reactionary movements against the church. And as these narcissistic pastors and corrupt institutions pretending to call themselves a church, abusive shepherds beating their flocks and hypocritical members lying and gossiping, as these diabolical realities emerge, they lead to an entire generation of reactionary movements. Movements like the ex-evangelicals. Anybody heard of the ex-evangelical movement? You can look up that hashtag and read a bunch of stories of how people are leaving the faith. A lot of young millennials who have been disillusioned by the church are now deconstructing their faith, walking away from God and telling the story. In fact, there are worship leaders that were putting out worship music. So many testimonies. You know, we're so used to testimonies being a good thing. There are so many testimonies from the ex-evangelical movement of people who are leaving the faith. Have you heard of the Me Too movement? How about the Church Too movement? A hashtag which has been dedicated to exposing sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and assault within churches and faith communities. And when Carl Lentz, the young and hip celebrity pastor of Hillsong, New York, had an affair, many claimed they saw that coming. But those same people were stunned when they heard that their beloved, well-esteemed father in the faith, Ravi Zacharias, was propositioning women and spiritually abusing them inside massage parlors that he owned. You see, whether in skinny jeans or in a suit, nobody is immune from this reckoning. And for every scandal you've heard about, there are thousands more that are unspoken or unsaid. What happens when what God says is not what you see? Author and theologian, Dr. David Hall gave us some light and hope when he says this about the church. He says, the church is thousands of years old. At times, she rises up like a gracious bride, beautiful and longing for her groom. At other times, she goes to war against evil, taking up the sword of truth. And yet the church also has her seasons of decline and goes into shocking darkness, ugliness, and weakness while she struggles with sin or false teachings. Nonetheless, the promise of Revelation chapter 1 resounds in our ears that the Son of Man walks among the church. We're calling this sermon series The Inspired Church. And it's my prayer that for the next five weeks, you and I, if you would promise to stay with me for the next five weeks, would recapture the true meaning of the church and reorient our hearts 
around what God says about the church despite what you see. Can I reiterate my prayer one more time? For the next five weeks, I'm calling this series The Inspired Church. It's time to rebuild this church. We are back from the rubble of COVID and the pandemic. And it's not over. This pandemic's not over, but we are back. We are embodied. We're figuring out a way to meet, and we're figuring out a way to do it safely. We're back. But I told somebody, somebody asked me, well, what does it feel like to be back? I said, it feels like a tornado, like you evacuated your house. And we're coming back now, and we're just observing the rubble. What walls are standing? What walls have been knocked down? What neighbors have died? What neighbors are still alive? I feel like we're coming back after the storm and just taking inventory. Is the church of Jesus Christ still standing? Yes. Is Inspired Church still standing? Absolutely. But it's time to move forward, to rebuild. And if you will stay with us the next five weeks, I pray that you would reorient your heart around the way that God sees his church and not necessarily the way that you've experienced it. So, Heavenly Father, I just ask for your unction, your anointing, your words to flow through me. I pray for this 9 a.m. service, God, that the joy of the Holy Spirit would be in here, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would be in here, that ultimately you would be glorified. Your church is on this earth to glorify you. And so I pray you would receive all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes or you just... Want an idea of what we're doing today? I'm entitling this message, The Church Jesus is Building. The Church Jesus is Building. Did you know the church was born on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit descended, fell upon 120 disciples gathered together in an upper room in Acts chapter 2 with no social distancing. But before the church was born, but before the church was born, the church was first mentioned by Jesus to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. In fact, the story goes that as Jesus was traveling with his disciples through a district that was well known for its emperor worship, Jesus turned around and he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? You see, he had been uh, uh, raising the dead. He had been multiplying bread. He had been healing the sick, casting out demons. Jesus was trending on Twitter and he looked at his disciples and he said, who are people saying that I am? And the disciples answered that the overwhelming public consensus was that Jesus was no ordinary man, but that he was a prophet sent by God. The disciples told Jesus, I hear some calling you Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist reincarnated. Others are calling you Jeremiah. But then Jesus asked the real question. How many of you know that Jesus will ask a question, but he'll set you up for the real question? It's a setup. It always is. Whenever God asks you a question, it's a setup. But then the real question comes. Jesus looks at his disciples and he said this. I know what everyone else is saying, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? And if you have your Bibles, Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18 is where 
the disciples will answer this personalized question. Jesus says, now that you've told me what everybody else is saying, who do you say that I am? And today's message will be entirely built on these two or three verses found in Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18. In response to Jesus' personalized question to the disciples, Simon, who's also known as Peter, and you'll find out why, reveals who the disciples think that Jesus is. And the scripture says this, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for, watch, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the church that Jesus is building. Now, I want you to know this. One day you might find yourself searching for a church. One day you might leave the Bay Area and you might find yourself looking for a new church. Or maybe one day you might find yourself questioning the church. In fact, maybe some of you came in today. You're not even sure the church is good. And so one day you'll either find yourself looking for a new church or maybe one day or maybe that day is today. You'll find yourself questioning the church. And despite what you may have heard or seen, I want you to know that the church that belongs to Jesus is the church that is being built by Jesus. And the church that is, are you ready? There are three things I'm going to talk about today. Here they are. The church that belongs to Jesus is the church that is being built by Jesus. And the church that is, number one, built on the confession of Christ. The church that is being built by Jesus, number two, is built with confessors of Christ. And finally, number three, the church that is being built by Jesus is built around the person of Christ. And if you're taking notes, number one, the church that is being built by Jesus is built on the confession of Christ. Number two, the church that is being built by Jesus is built with confessors of Christ. And number three, the church that is being built by Jesus is built around the person of Christ. Y'all with me? Listen, all other churches that do not display all three of these qualities are diabolical imposters with more power to harm than to heal. Do you hear me? Are you with me 9 a.m.? All other churches that do not display all three of these qualities are diabolical imposters with no power to heal and only power to kill, steal, harm, destroy. So number one, the church that Jesus is building building is built on the confession of Christ. Amen? 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 I said the church that Jesus is building is built on the unshakable, unmovable, 
foundation of Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus is building is built upon Jesus himself and the recognition that he's not just an ordinary man, but a recognition that he is the Messiah. I want you to know the church that Jesus is building is not a church that looks at Jesus as just a prophet. But he is the subject of prophets. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament text. He's what the prophets look forward to. He's what the prophets declared. He's what the prophets foreshadowed. He's the righteous branch of Jeremiah. He's the suffering servant of Isaiah. He's the faithful shepherd of Ezekiel. He's the son of man of Daniel. He's the king of Israel. He's the son of David. He's one greater than Moses. He's the wisdom of Proverbs, the son of God of Psalms, the kinsman redeemer of Ruth. He's the shoot from the stump of Jesse, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And upon that rock, Jesus will build his church and all other foundations are sinking sand. And it just doesn't go for the church, but it goes for your life. Upon that rock, your life should be dedicated and built. All other foundations are sinking sand. The church that Jesus is building is built on the confession of Christ. But it's also built with, are you ready? Confessors of Christ. I want you to notice in the text that I read, Simon Barjona, most of you don't know him like that. We know him as Peter, but his name is Simon. But it's here where Jesus gives him a little nickname. He says, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Simon Barjona, but my father revealed it to you. And he says, and you are Petros. You're Petros. You're Peter. You're Petros. You are the rock. But you're not just the rock, but you are a rock, Peter. Catch this visual. Peter, you're a little stone who's built on the cornerstone. And Peter would one day later, writing many years later, recalling this moment long after Jesus had died and resurrected, he would one day reflect on the church and he would say in 1 Peter 2, 5, as living stones, we the church, we are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. This is key. I want you to know Jesus nor Peter shows any concern for physical locations. Notice that? Did you notice that? Jesus nor Peter show no concern for physical location. You want to know why? Get this. The church is not a place. It's a people. It's a people. The church is not a place. It's a people. Now, we wrestle with that, don't we? We wrestle with the sense of permanence, permanence in this life. It's not a place, it's a people. You know, I want to tell you something. A real honest encounter with a really good person. This individual means no malice. But he told me, he was attending the church, he told me, you know, Pastor Phil, I just don't think the church is ever going to really do much. He said, inspired church, I just don't think it's going to grow. I don't think it's going to make much of an impact because it doesn't have a building. He told me, you guys don't have a building, you don't have a permanent place to stay, and I I just really feel like you're good, but you're never going to last very long. 
I'm going to be honest with you. I myself have been guilty of that same idea. I've had moments of great anxiety living at the mercy of Crown Plaza, not knowing if we're going to be canceled for the next week. Y'all don't know how close we got and where we even are right now. We're a homeless church. But then I'm reminded that Jesus said, I'm not going to build my church on places, buildings, people. You see, the text reminds us that the building materials of Christ's church are not brick or mortar, but confessors. Are you with me? The building materials of Christ's church is not brick or concrete or physical stone, but living stones, spiritual stones, confessors of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone in which brings it and holds it all together. You want to know something? To be a member of Christ church, it's not necessary for you to take a membership class. You don't have to sign a covenant. You don't have to serve on a team. You don't have to go to a small group. You want to know the only qualification to be a member of Christ church? It's that you would confess Jesus as a son of God. But are you ready for this? And that your confession will be backed up by your life. You want to know why so many people are disenfranchised with the church? Because of hypocritical confessors. You want to be a member of Christ's church? You must confess Jesus as the son of God. And then produce a lifestyle that gives visible evidence to that confession. That's what a genuine display of true repentance. I'm not calling for perfection. I'm calling for humility, growth, and holiness. Trigger warning. Are you ready? This is why when it comes to Christ church, there's more than meets the eye. Did you know that? Did you know that there's the church that we see and then the church that God sees? Can I share my pastoral burden, the weight that I've been carrying all week for you? We have too many members of local churches that are not members of Christ church. We have too many so-called confessors that are comfortable in their sin. We have too many so-called confessors that are neglecting and negligent of their devotion, their time of prayer and their time of the word with the Lord. Those things don't save you. But if you're in loving relationship with the master, those things should be something that compels you. We have too many confessors Too many confessors who call Jesus Savior, but refuse to submit to him as Lord. We love the salvation part, don't we? It's the Lordship part. And we all have an issue with it because we're all made of sin. I, I want you to know I'm a sinner among you. 
I wrestle with sin. I fall into sin. There's temptations and tests. And sometimes I feel great and sometimes I feel like I've failed. But I'm talking about someone who's a confessor but also comfortable in sin. You know, Paul said in Romans that there are those of Israel who are not Israel. Paul told Timothy, in a great house, there are vessels of dishonor. John wrote, there are those who went out from us because they were not of us. And probably the most sobering fact of all was what Jesus said in Matthew, that he purposefully allows weeds to grow alongside of the wheat. He allows sovereignly, providentially, purposefully weed to grow next to the wheat. He doesn't just say he allows the weed to grow next to the wheat, but he allows the goats to mix with the sheep. And then he sorts them all out on judgment day. You see, the church that Jesus is building is made up of confessors whose life aligns with the confession of their lips. Jesus is Lord. Finally, the church that Jesus is building, building is built around the person of Christ. Amen? It's built around the person of Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that the church is not built around a celebrity pastor? I don't think you know that. You know, in our social media world, I want, you, I want to remind you, the church is not built around a celebrity pastor. Are you with me? Like, can, can I, I'm going to apologize, but you know, I kind of feel like it's a fake apology. Let me just say this. Forgive me. Uh, I'm not a hater, I promise. Are you with me? I'm not a hater, I promise. But who cares if he knows Justin Bieber? Who cares if he baptized your favorite NBA players? Who cares if he's got swag, got charisma, tells really funny stories while wearing really expensive shoes? Listen, are you ready? If he takes credit for his church, if he's the center of the stories in his church, if people are more drawn to him than they are to Christ, that's not the church that Jesus is building. So much more I could say, but I promise myself, don't be a hater. Thank you. The church is not built around a celebrity pastor. How about this? The church is not built around a menu of incredible programming. Some of us, we don't want a church. We want a cruise liner. You want to know what consumer Christianity sounds like? Here it is. You ready? Is the music any good? I hope they play my favorite song. What about the kids' ministry? Youth programs? Do they have a softball team? How about the preaching? I want a feel-good message with funny jokes and creative stories. But don't make me uncomfortable, so don't talk about sin. And I need it in 25 minutes or less because we got to go to brunch. We got an hour and a half with you. 
and the world's got the rest of the week. No wonder why we have anemic, anemic Christians. So indoctrinated, so indoctrinated with the way the world tells you to think. And you come in here and the pastor says a couple of things from the scripture. We're so offended. But you want to know why? Barring that this pastor is speaking under the unction of the word and not an abusive pastor. Is because you got about an hour and 30 minutes in here a week. Well, the rest of the week you're inundated with digital media, with Netflix, with the television screen. So much to compete with. That's not a service, guys. It's a show. We don't want a church. We want a social club. We want a feel-good moment. How about this? Do you know the church is not built on your political platform? That's not the platform the church is built on. Your Democratic, Republican agenda. Did you know no political affiliation has a monopoly on God's word? I know that's hard for some of you. How about this? The church is not built on your own personal preferences. I got a story for you. During the pandemic, I was taking a walk, doing laps, going outside, enjoying the fresh air as much as I could. And I ran into somebody that I know. I've known for a long time, a fellow believer. She loves the Lord. She asked me, how's church going? She knows I'm a pastor. I said, it's difficult, but God's grace is with us. We're learning how to pastor in a pandemic on the digital world. We had a little distance. How about you? She goes, you know, I left my church. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. See, I left my church. I was there for many years. I left it. I said, man, I'm so sorry. And, you know, I try not to be nosy. You know, like, hey, why'd you leave? (laughs) Right? We all think, like, why'd you leave? But what I realized was she wanted to share. So I'm going to go public with this because I'm sure I won't say any names. But she began to tell me, you know what? You know, during all of the protesting and the rioting, it got too hard to be in a diverse church. It got too hard. You know, for me, I, I, want, I want something that every, where everyone looks like me. Everyone looks like me. Everyone talks like me. Everyone dresses like me. Essentially, you know, what I was told was this person switched because being in a multi-ethnic church was too uncomfortable. And so they'd rather go to a church where everyone looks the same. God help us. I want you to know if you're looking for a criteria, maybe you're new here, maybe you might be moving soon, and you're saying, man, if there, can you just list out a criteria for me on how I should look for a church? If you're looking for a criteria, here it is. Are the preachers preaching Jesus? Are the singers singing Jesus? Are the people obeying Jesus? Is the gospel being proclaimed and are disciples being made? You notice how men's and women's ministry wasn't in there? Youth ministry wasn't in there? See how kids' ministry wasn't in there? Softball teams, basketball, small groups, young adults. Are you with me? And can I be honest with you guys? I'm not advocating for a lack of excellency in our church. Amen? I'm not advocating for that, please. But can I say this? 
as I've matured in Christ, I realize that I'd rather have a simple church with a boring preacher and a tone-deaf singer that is centered on Christ than a stadium packed full of Christless show. Oh, don't clap if you don't mean that. Some of y'all, you know you don't mean that. You would not stay at a boring, tone-deaf... <laughs> mess with you. But that's the reality, and we joke about it. It's good in this room, but the truth is when we leave, our flesh is pulled to show. Entertain me. I want a movie theater. When Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and I'm going to finish here. He intentionally chose to use a Greek word for church. Are you ready? It's the word ecclesia. Upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. And the word church really isn't the best word that can be used in this space. You see, the word ecclesia is derivative of two words, ek and kaleo, which basically means what Jesus was really saying when he said ecclesia was, upon this rock, I will build my called out ones. The church means ecclesia, and ecclesia simply means called out. God's people, I want you to know, have a legacy of being called out. Abraham was called out of what was familiar and comfortable. Moses was called out of the luxury of a palace. Israel was called out of the bondage of Egypt. David was called out of obscurity. God called out his prophets and God called out his apostles. But catch this and we're going to finish. God never called them out to leave them there. I want you to know God's people aren't just called out, but they're called out to move. Are you ready? God calls his people out to gather them together. Hmm. In his name. As his people. His temple, his bride, his body, his family, his representatives on earth. Are you ready for this? All of you that got really excited when, you, when I said church wasn't a building because you thought it was a great excuse because now you don't have to go to church. I want you to know, yes, the church may not be a building, but we are a kingdom outpost, a colony of heaven. And when we gather in his name, his kingdom comes, his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Please, please believe me. This is not a cliche, I promise. When we gather on Sundays, when we gather for small groups, when you gather today later on for meetups, we're literally demonstrating heaven on earth. It's a foretaste of heaven. It's a glimpse of what's to come. It's a practice, a rehearsal, a dress run. And this is my challenge to you. If that is true, if the ecclesia is the assembly of God, the quahal in Hebrew. Can I ask you this? Why are you so casual about gathering? Did you know that the church in Afghanistan is willing to die to gather? 
Did you know that? Did you know that the church in Afghanistan right now, letters from pastors that were leading, letters from pastors were reading, fearful, afraid, knowing that this could be their last night, but still figuring out how to gather the confessors together. You want to know why? Because they have a revelation of heaven on earth. If you truly believed when we gathered that this was a kind of a type of, I'm not saying this is heaven, but his kingdom come, his will be done, a company of confessors called out, gathered together under him, a common people, under a common king. While in Afghanistan, the church of Christ is willing to die together, the church in America has much better things to do. Listen, I'm not legalistic, guys. I might have some blind spots, but I'm not like legalistic. I'm not asking that. You got to come to every Sunday or, you know, you're sinning. It's a part where some manipulative pastors would do that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But can I tell you the difference between a mature Christian and a spiritual baby? People who remain spiritual babies will go the rest of their lives battling their flesh and being faithful to the house of God. Yeah. I didn't say you were not a Christian. I just said you're an immature baby. <laughs> Yo, well, that's not as nice. I'd rather be called that than not a Christian. I want you to know going to church is not about your salvation. It's about confessing Christ as Lord. But I want you to know the spiritual maturity comes with understanding the gathering as a beautiful, glorious place. Before we worship and get ready to take the communion together, I want you to listen to the Apostle Petros, Peter. Listen to him describe the fundamental identity of the people of God, of the church of God, of the ecclesia in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You know, I think it's so cool because Peter is penning this like 50 years, 40 years later after this moment with Jesus. So he's probably thinking and recalling the moment that Jesus looked at him and said, you're Petros. And he writes this. To the church but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him are you ready who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light we are a community of confessors called out by God and gathered together to demonstrate heaven on earth to a dying and broken world. The church may not always look like the way that God sees it, but that's who the church of Jesus Christ is. That is the church that Jesus is building.